The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. jump in and pray and believe. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into the truth, right? We're just going to believe that God's Spirit is going to help us to get out of His Word what He wants us to understand today, past our own uh, kind of pre-conditions of our mind and how we filter and think of things and say, Lord, what are you trying to say? Lord, what do you want to do? And we're just going to believe that He's going to, to help us to understand because these are spiritual matters, not just matters of our physical minds. So, Father, we pray right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to uh, put aside distraction, but also, God, to uh, just hear from you today. God, speak to our heart. Lord, help us to understand what it is you're saying, God, and help us to know how to change our lives and line it up, Lord, with your purpose and your plan and your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Anybody else heard that verse before? Sing that song before? Any of those things? This comes out of Psalms 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will, right? Notice there's kind of a declarative there. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not tomorrow and not yesterday. Our society kind of lives that way. We live on the glory of the past, and we live on the hope of the future. But for the most part, we struggle for the joy of today, for the joy of right now. The Bible says in John 10.10 that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Talking about the devil. And it goes on to say, but I have come, that Jesus has come, that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. There's a desire there to show us that the life that we have is meant to be abundant. What does abundance mean? Well, it means without problems. It means it's wonderful. It means it's beautiful. It means I never lost my hair. Because my life was abundant, and I claimed it. And I looked in the mirror, and I affirmed to myself, you will grow. You will grow. I combed it, nurtured it, even when there was nothing there. The teacher goes, come back. Come back to me. It didn't help. Abundance doesn't necessarily mean we have all the things we wish we had. It doesn't mean that everything is going the way we wish it could. It doesn't mean that it was as good as my golden years that I had 10 years ago or the amazing future that I have 10 years from now. It means that I have what I have right now and within that, God wants me to experience abundance. But within that moment, within that time, the devil comes to steal it, and he comes to kill it, and he comes to destroy it. Well, how does he do that? Most commonly, he does that with worry and stress and anxiety about things that we cannot change. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. He didn't say today was perfect, so don't worry about tomorrow. Just today's awesome. 
It's not pothead Jesus where everything just feels great. He said today has enough of its own struggles. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just be here today. Live the right now. Enjoy the right now. Jesus knew, the Bible teaches us, Jesus knew that he was going to the cross. If you knew you were going to the cross, because he told his disciples, I will be leaving. The Son of Man will be hung on a tree. He knew this was coming, this horrendous, terrible death. What would you do if you knew that was coming? Sometimes you know your rent's coming and you can't pay it, and what does that do? Stress, anxiety, fear. Sometimes you know that you're going to a party and you don't really know the people. You don't know what you're going to talk about. Stress, anxiety, fear. Sometimes you know that your spouse is coming home from work and you don't get along. And you don't know how this night's going to go. Stress, anxiety, fear. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. The Bible says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness more than his, compa- more than his companions. Even though he knew that was coming, he somehow was able to walk within the moment-to-moment experience of his life and to take the joy and squeeze it out of it to enjoy his life and that's what he has for us i've come that you may have life that you may have it more abundantly that right now here's the problem with worry and anxiety and stress about something you can't change that you don't control it may change on its own but you don't control it you don't control if that person will like you again you don't control if you'll get over that sickness. You don't have any control over any of those things. But the worry and the stress and the anxiety steals the joy of the moment, and then you look back six months later, a year later, and you can't ever get those six months to a year back. And all the joy and all the excitement and all of the abundance that God had for you in those little moments along the way are gone and they're gone forever and so the devil took not only what you were afraid maybe but he took what he had no business taking because God gave it to you he gave you the moment we're dealing with the situation right now we found out Friday that Eliana has been Rediagnosed to have AML leukemia again. We already beat this once. The Lord's help and the Lord on our side. As a family, we came together and we believed and we prayed and the, we, there was a verse given, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we fought together and we won that battle and we stood at the hospital and we held up the signs and we cheered her all the way outside and just celebrated her one year being free. Now, going back in for treatment getting back in the fight going back to do this again over those next months a lot of anxiety and stress financially time wise medically everything else will be pulling the joy out of life if they let it if we let it what situation in your life right now is pulling the joy out of it? Pulling the abundance out of it? Robbing and stealing from you? 
Well, I wouldn't even say it out loud because it doesn't compare to leukemia. I mean, it's, you didn't share it. Other people's problems can bring perspective to our life, but they don't bring peace to our life because of that perspective. Perspective doesn't bring peace, Jesus does. So it's okay, even in your situation that you're struggling with, to say, you know what, I know in perspective, my thing doesn't really matter. But I still need peace in it. I still need the joy of the Lord in it. I still need God's strength in it. I know that walking in to high school, I was reminded of this the other day as I was just talking about growing up. In high school, when I used to walk into the bathroom and hide in the stall between classroom periods so that no one could talk to me because of my social anxiety that I had, if I told somebody that was going through a really difficult thing, like, wow, my struggle and my trial is when I walk into a high school, like, I really get nervous, and I just, I get, oh, anxiety, and I hide in a the bathroom. They'd be like, dude, there's people dying all over the world right now. Like, they're hiding from machine gun fire. You're stupid. It didn't make it any less real for me. And whatever else is going on in someone else's life, no matter what it is, it doesn't make your struggle any less real for you. And that's okay. Because Jesus came not only for the most terrible things, he came for all the things. He came to deliver us from all of them, to bless and to bring abundance to everyone in the situation of their life. So we're going to turn to Psalms 118, and we're going to learn straight from David as he went through life experiences I'm just going to read through this today, and I don't normally do it this way, but I'm just going to read through Psalms 118. Uh, we're just going to talk through this passage and how it applies to our life. It's interesting, Jesse brought him up and talked about him today and the struggles he went through and how he had to declare his joy of the Lord and stuff because Jesse didn't know what I was preaching on, but here's the same thing. So Psalms 118, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. That's their nation. Let the house of Aaron say, he's shrinking it down. Let these people say his steadfast love endures forever. And then he's bringing it out to the individual. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, let the big situations of a nation say that God is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Let the people that are in leadership and they're running things and they're ministering to people, which is the house of Aaron, do the same thing. And let, let everybody who has an everyday issue and an everyday problem and an everyday circumstance, no matter what it is, let them say God is good, his love endures forever. In other words, we all need it. We're all the same. Some of you didn't want to come this morning. One of my wife or I didn't want to come this morning either. Could be me. There's been Sundays I don't want to be here. That's okay. We're all relying on the grace of God. Right? You need my encouragement. Guess what? I need yours. We're together. And he's saying, let us all do this together. I want to just say this out loud together. Down the count of three. This is what I want us to do. We're going to say, his steadfast love endures forever. Because this verse is saying, let everyone do that. So as a family, 
as a church family and community. Okay, we're just going to declare this together, all right? His steadfast love endures forever, okay? Ready? One, two, three. His steadfast love endures forever. In your situation, for you, not just for me. It's for all of us. His steadfast love endures forever. Other interpretations of that verse say his loving kindness endures forever. And if you actually look the original word up, it's talking not just about a love that's kind of out here, but it's talking about a love that results in kindness where he reaches down into a situation and he helps the need that's there. Verse 5, it says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. Out of what? Out of my good day, my good time, I called on the Lord. Out of my distress, out of my difficulty, out of my challenge. But I thought David served the Lord. I thought David was in the house of God. I thought David was the king that God called and put over a nation. I thought God was with David. Why is David in a distress? Because sometimes life just has distress. Jesus said in this life you'll have many troubles. Sometimes life is just that way. You can be in a distress and you don't have to spend the whole week, the whole month, the whole year wondering what did I do wrong? Why am I screwing up? Why am I out of the blessing? How did I come under a curse? You can be loving God, serving God, and doing everything the way that God wants you to do it and you can still be going through a struggle. That's not a mark that you're a bad person you're messing up. That's just a mark that you're a person. That's it. Jesus went through struggles. Did anybody live in a way that deserved to never have a struggle better than Jesus did? Well, if I prayed more, well, if I helped more, if I served more, if I did this, then my life would be more blessed. Jesus did all of it and suffered the most. That's not a mark. He calls out, in my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me, and he set me free. Set him free from what? Because some of his circumstances didn't change. He set him free from the turmoil, the inward turmoil of it. He set him free from just the anxiety and the stress of it and the discouragement of it, and he was able to release out of that and just praise the Lord in the middle of it. It goes on, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Verse 7, he repeats it just in case you weren't listening. The Lord is on my side. Maybe I'm going through this because God is not on my side. Maybe somehow I'm out of God's favor. Maybe God doesn't want to help me. Maybe I need to do some things better before I can pray and then God will hear me better. Maybe I need to quit watching that Netflix show. It's really bad. I don't know which one. Do you know what? God's favor is with you. God loves you. God cares for you. While we were yet sinners, he gave his life for us. Now as we're Christians and we're not perfect, we think, oh my gosh, he's pulling back. Every minute, it's like a yo-yo. Every minute he's popping back out, popping back in, popping back. It's like a whack-a-mole gospel. Oh, here's his grace. Boom. Oh, I knocked it out. Oh, here's his grace. Boom. I knocked it out. Hopefully I get some tickets. He's with you all the time. He loves you all the time. Praise God for that, because I need it. I need it more than probably anybody here. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. 
the song of victory. People are still hating him. People are still against him. I thought that everybody would like me because I love Jesus. No. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Our trust and our faith is in God. It's not in leaders. It's not in friends. It's not in spouses. Not this kind of trust. I can trust you at some level, but when you're talking about your internal heart, your soul, the fulfillment of your life, your destiny, your identity, all those things, those don't come from others. They come from the one that made us. And so we need to rest in that. That's the approval that we have. That's the approval that we need. That's the provider. That's the caregiver. That's our Savior. That's our Messiah. He's the one. David's talking about it. He was betrayed by his own family. He was betrayed by enemies. He's, if you read the, the stories of David, he was betrayed by everyone at some point in his life. And he betrayed others. It's a story filled with all kinds of chaos. And so he's saying from experience, the one that you can trust in is the Lord. All nations surround me, in verse 10. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. In declaration, they surrounded me, surrounded me on every side, as if that needed to be said, right? They surrounded me. What does that mean? Anybody ever been surrounded? It means you're surrounded. He says, no, they surrounded me on every side. It was bad. It was like that. It was really terrible. And so he's talking about his situation he's been through. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Like bees. Not just surrounded where I can see where my enemies are coming from, but anybody ever been attacked by bees? My son Jackson got chased down by bees. He almost died and bent. <laughs> I don't even know if he's in here. He might be in the other class. He ran from, what, two or three blocks and bent. It was, what, three or four blocks? It was a long ways. He ran and bent from one house where they were being attacked by a swarm of yellow jackets. All the way home, he's being chased by yellow jackets and bitten. He finally gets home. He comes running in. He's probably like seven years old, eight years old, bawling. His body is just covered in red swans. <laughs> we don't even know what's going on. We're like, what's going on? He's just screaming. He can't even hear. He's screaming. He's crying. It's not comes out. He's bawling. And then finally, he's out of his mouth. Bees, bees. So we shoved him back outside, locked the door. <laughs> Because we don't like bees either. They're <laughs> awful things. Praise God he lived. Uh, he's skinny, so there wasn't that much meat. Eventually they left. <laughs> they left to find someone else. But there he is. Well, what happened? Well, we saw a beehive. And what would boys do at the beehive? Walk away, of course. <laughs> you know, they threw baseballs at it. And then they went over with a bat because they weren't waking up, and they started whacking it with a bat. It finally woke him up. You're surrounded by bees, man. You forget everything in life. You just run for it. You forget you're a disciple of Jesus. You forget what the church taught you. You forget what you learned in that little book of things to do and don't do when bad things happen. You just go into chaos mode. Oh, we're not supposed to swear? Oops. Did that. Not supposed to have a drink? Oops. I thought it was just a soda. Did all kinds of things I'm not supposed to do. I was in chaos mode. I was just trying to get away from the pain. Well, when you run to the door of Jesus, he doesn't lock the door and shut you out. But it was I my own fault. It was Jackson's fault. And if I really shut him out, what would you think of me? Do you think I'm a better father than God? 
certainly not. My kids thought I was until they were about four, five, six. And they start to realize, like, <laughs> okay, he's not. He really can't pick everything up. He's really not that strong. God's a better father. He doesn't shut the door when we come running in in trouble. He didn't shut the door on David, and some of David's problems came from himself. Verse 13, I was pushed hard so that I was falling. Another translation says I was pushed violently and I fell. But the Lord helped me. Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it's not your situation. Sometimes somebody else did it. Sometimes sickness or disease does it. Sometimes a mean person does it. Sometimes a spiteful, angry person does it. A hurt person hurts another person. Sometimes this happens. Sometimes an overbearing good person does it. Because they're just going to help you make sure your life goes really good. And in the meantime, they just suffocate you. There was an old cartoon. Nobody watched it anymore. But man, I love this one. Our funniest cartoons. Me and my brother always laughed at it. This guy, this big, weird-looking monster guy, would always grab this little guy and hug him. And he would squeeze him and shake him. And he'd just be like, I'm going to love you and squeeze you and call you George. Squeeze him. And the guy's always trying to pop out and get away. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like every cartoon, he's like, kills a guy. He <laughs> squeezes him out. Sometimes we can do that and have the best intentions and we can smother people right out. But it's talking about when other things happen to us that shove us down and hurt us and there's nothing we could do. But God is our helper. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I think it's important here. It doesn't say that the Lord gives me strength. Does it? It says that the Lord is my strength. He doesn't give it to me and I walk away. We talked about this in community group. God's not a resource. He is the source. I don't go to him because I need something. I go to him because he is something. And because in what he is, he fulfills what I need. That's what he's talking about here. He is my strength. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. It's, it does awesome, amazing, miraculous things. It wins. It does victorious things. It's valiant. This is coming from someone who had losses, who endured battles, who had suffering, and yet he's still looking at the things that God did that helped, that brought victory, the areas that he won. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about the course of life and the things you go through, that God was with him and did miracles. Verse 17, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. This is a, a big verse to me because, you know, this is probably 12, 13 years ago. My mom went in on Christmas Eve to get her eye checked at an eye doctor, and they look through the little thing, and they get down, and they go, go directly to emergency. My sister was with her. She said, what do you mean? She goes, no, get in your car and take your mom directly to emergency. Why? She goes, I don't know what's wrong, but whatever is going on in that eye, take her to emergency. Take her to emergency, and the next thing you know, they discover a ba literally a baseball size, no exaggeration, a baseball-sized tumor in the back corner of her skull. And when they did the MRI, it literally took up the entire quarter of her head back there. And she was having the migraines and seeing spots, not because of bad vision, but because it was pushing all of her brain over, squeezing it together. They said, you're not going to make it. Prepare for her not to make it. So she had that MRI printed, 
and that verse put on there on a magnet and had me passed out to everyone in the family. And she says, I'm not going anywhere. God's not done with me yet. I've got stuff to do. And we hung it on the fridge. It was there. And the doctor said, you know what? She's going to die on the operating table. You know what? If she wakes up, which she won't, but if she comes through, she'll wake up, she won't even remember you. Just get a board out, put your pictures on, you're going to have to teach her who you are. All this drama for weeks. They do this brain surgery. They had to fly people in front of you. They do it. They pull it out. She's out. They don't know if she's going to live. She wakes up, and literally, first thing she says when we come in the room, get me the ads. i got Christmas shopping to do. Okay. Cool. She sounds generous this year. <laughs> we started putting the requests in big time. So that verse has a big meaning to me. My mom, after that, she lived about another, I don't know, eight years, nine years. I don't know how long she'd have. She ended up passing away of a brain aneurysm that had nothing to do with that, according to the doctors. It was just a totally fluke, random, separate thing. But I remember I used to work with single moms at City Harvest, and we did single moms ministry there. And my mom would come in and help. And my mom was always late. Not sometimes. My mom was always late. And so then you try to predict, okay, well, she usually gets here 10 minutes late, so she'll be here 10 minutes late. Well, now that became on time because that's what was expected. So then she would come 15 minutes late. She just ever always late. And so she would come, and she's supposed to watch the kids in the kids' room. And she would come late. And I'm stressing out because we're trying to get this thing going. I got moms in here ready for this. I got kids in here. Mom, where are you? And I was confronted with the John 10.10 type of experience. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Is he was trying to steal all the joy and the activity out of that that God was doing by getting me to get angry and frustrated and focused that she can't even get here on time. You're trying to serve. Can't you even show up? Come on, Mom. You've been doing this since I was a kid. You leave me at school an hour after the bell rang. All stuff stirring up, angry. And I had to submit that to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm just going to just, I'm never going to say anything to her. I never said anything to her about being late. I just said, I'm just going to love it that she's here. And my mom would come in and they were broke. My dad had lost his whole business because of the downturn in 2007, lost everything. His home, his cars, they lost his business, everything. My mom would come in, and I'd see her sitting on a little countertop there with a little kid, putting shoes on the kid that she had just bought because the mom couldn't afford the shoes. My mom saw that, and my mom bought the shoes and put them on. My mom didn't even have any money. And I was able to watch that, learn from that, experience the joy of that because I just focused on today. We're here today. Man, God's doing this today. I'm thankful for this today. And then my mom had her aneurysm and went. But you know what? I still have all those memories of doing that with my mom because that happened while she was doing that. It was right at the end of her life. I have all those memories because I didn't allow myself to get caught up in the discouragement of a moment, in the frustration of a moment, in the anxiety of a moment, in the stress of a moment, and what could be better or what could be different about my goals for tomorrow, about my failures of the past or frustrations of the past. It was like right now we're here. Yes, she's late, but she's putting on those shoes. God's good. Look what he's doing. That's what God wants us all to have. That's the abundance he's talking about. It's in the moments that we do have, even though we can't change the past and we can't predict the future. That same ministry has actually, it's still around, right? Still there. When we left, Corey Stevenson right here took that over. And I just found out this week, which is really cool to me, that Riley, sitting over here, her daughter, 
took over my mom's role. And they're taking care of all these kids. How old were you, Riley, when you were doing that? So you got a 13-year-old in there hanging out with a bunch of just wild, rowdy kids taking care of them. Week after week after week after week, just loving on them. And Corey going in there, spent that. How amazing. You got to enjoy the moments that God gives and the victories that he gives. And so then you can look back without regret of what you lost. So cool. Verse goes on, it says, The Lord has disciplined me severely. Oh, God got him in trouble. God does do that sometimes. But he has not given me over to death. In other words, he doesn't discipline to crush us. He disciplines us to change us, to mature us. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. He's not talking about a righteousness of our own. The Bible makes it clear. He's talking about a righteousness that comes through the work of Jesus. Well, this thing says the righteous can go in, and I'm not, I know I got flaws. I can't go in. That's not, he's saying your righteousness that comes from Christ. He's prophesying. He's looking forward to what Jesus is going to do. He says, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. So he's referencing salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Specifically, the Bible relates the cornerstone to Jesus. He is the cornerstone. So he's prophesying and looking forward all these years to say that I have salvation. I trust that God is sending a cornerstone that we can build on. Verse 23 this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. God is doing something amazing. He's giving salvation. He's opening a way. He's bringing a cornerstone. He's bringing salvation. And then this is the verse of the day, verse 24, out of this whole passage. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. See, now you got the context for that verse. This verse is not coming from someone who had everything going well. Well, it's coming from King David. He gets whatever he wants. He lays on his bed and people feed him grapes. He lives like I do. <laughs> got a wife. I got kids. Bring it. Mom, dad needs a rock star. Bring it. Need some Sour Patch kids. Bring it. I only want the red ones. No, two yellow ones. Bring me what I need. That's the life of David. No, it wasn't. He's going through struggles and trials and difficulties and betrayals and enemies and victories and losses and going through all this stuff. And he says in the middle of all of this, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He's telling everyone, let's do this together. He goes on to verse 25. It's important, listen. Save us, we pray. O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Notice where verse 24 has just been sandwiched in. Between all of the past struggles and between the current ones that are still going on. You don't say, save us, we pray. Help us, give us success if you already have it and you're already saved. You don't come out of the pool because you were drowning and 10 minutes later, when you're running around in the park, be telling everybody, save me! Because you've already been saved. So in the middle of all this, he's still going through a struggle. He's still going through a hardship. And he's crying out, Lord, save us. But at the same time, he's saying, we rejoice. Today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There's something that he's doing. There's something he's connecting to. It's a heart God has for all of us in our situation. All of us in our struggle. All of us in what 
life throws at us and the heart we want to have for other people. Uh, where's Jason Hicks? Did he go? So he's going to go get him. We're going to bring the kids in. I want all of us to do this as a family. Because I am talking, I want you to take this. We're talking about your situation in your life. We're going to pray over the Tompkins because of the immensity of this struggle that we're in together. But don't miss that it's also for you. Whatever you're going through, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let the nation of Israel, let the priests and the servants, let everyone everywhere do this. Is that we all have to take the situation that we're in and we have to make a choice to set our mind on God and say, Lord, I'm not going to let the enemy steal the moment. I'm going to live it out and take the abundance out of it and the joy out of it. Because that's what God has for us. That's what God wants to do. So that whatever he does in our life or doesn't do in our life, we can still say that whatever we did have, we did it in abundance and joy. We sucked the life out of it. We got all of it. We had some friends in Bend that I eat a chicken wing, and when I'm done, I throw it down, and they look at that and go, are you done? I'm like, yeah. You're not going to eat the rest of it? And I'm like, no, it's all gone. Can I have it? Okay. <laughs> I would watch pull a plate over and get just as much meat off of there somehow as I got in the first place. They got all of it off of there. God wants us to get all of it off of there. Man, it seems like there's no meat left on this. There's no joy left on this. Man, there's no goodness left on this. There's nothing to rejoice about left on this bone. God says, yes, there is. Slide it over, man. My Holy Spirit's going to help you find every last piece. That's what he wants to do. So we're going to bring the Tompkins up, and um, we're going to pray over them. But here's what we're praying for, guys, because we're going to pray in agreement right now. There's nowhere in the Bible that God says, I want you to temper your expectations. Our expectation is faith. Our expectation is belief. God is a healer. We're going to believe for healing. We also trust God for his sovereign plan of whatever his decision and his direction is in their lives. But we are also going to pray especially that as they go through this journey, we go through it with them, that they will be able to suck every moment of joy in the process that they go. Amen? So we're going to do that together. We had a sign made for them as well. Where did that go? Did we bring it in yet? Oh, can you bring that up real quick? Um, after we pray for them, we're going to have these out in, the, out in the front to write on the back of. We're going to just write a note of encouragement. And this is to put on their wall. This one is this verse. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that is every moment, every second, every opportunity is, man, I'm going to suck the joy out of this. You know, the, the verse that Jesse used also is the verse that Eliana had when we gave her baby dedication that the Lord gave us this verse that said um, about the joy of the Lord is our strength. But first it talks about all the trouble and trials they're in, and then the joy of the Lord is our strength, which is a very weird verse for a baby dedication. Like, here's all the problems and troubles, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. Like, okay, what are you saying? 
Well, no, but that was the verse. And then the first time that Eliana fought through this and won, that was the verse, was the verse of strength. No, don't take the bad news. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And then she brought a ton of joy to everyone else on that floor, visiting, encouraging. Alicia still goes back and visits to encourage people. And God really turned it into a place of ministry just as powerful and probably in a lot of ways more than this church coming on a Sunday. She's walking around in there with the sick and the people that are suffering, and they're just loving and encouraging them even in their own distress. And so we're going to believe, we're going to pray for just the joy to come. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray that while they're in the hospital, that God will make it a place that they can bring joy to others and encouragement to others. Amen? So if you're here and you want to pray, this isn't just me. I have a special prayer potion or a special prayer powder I sprinkle. So come on up if you want to. You can stay seated where you are, but if you want to, you can come up. We're going to lay hands on them. We're going to pray over them and disbelieve for that. And then when you guys leave, please write on the back of these um, as we do that. Uh, but we're going to pray. And then after we pray, uh, I would like to, and i got to ask Donnie this because I forgot to. Can we sing that song, um, the I Am Your song, together? After we pray, we're going to sing the song that we sang earlier today together, one last worship song. We're going to sing I Am Yours. And we're going to give just a reminder to ourselves and to others that Eliana is the Lord, that we are the Lord's, and that our faith and our trust and our hope is in Him. Amen? Amen. Does somebody have a loose microphone that you could hand me? Um, is there a loose microphone around, just a handheld? Okay, we're going to take a, a few minutes on this before we sing this song. We're just going to pray. So um, I'm going to have Brandon pray as well. Brandon, here's a mic. Okay, I'm going to have you start us off and pray. Father God, I just want to come before you right now. And uh, Lord, you're the healer of healers. Uh, you are our father. Dear God, I just want to lift up uh, Ellie and uh, the Tompkins as they uh, uh, take this path in this direction. Um, a path that is uh, that you've weaved in together in our lives to be able to bring you glory. And uh, Lord, we know that you're always there. And um, and I just pray that, uh, that 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 joy and that peace and that serenity yes. that uh, that only can come through you is just shown in uh, shown in any way that uh, you deem possible, dear God. That uh, that the our heads are not our, our heads are not facing down, but up where you are, dear God. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lord, I just, I, I just pray for the encouragement and the strength um, at each trial and each tribulation, dear God, that, you know, they've been through this once before and that it comes again, dear God, where that reliance upon you is just, uh, it's so precious. It's so precious. And uh, I just pray these things through your son, Father God. Amen. Let me see that. I got one more prayer. Jenna, you want to pray? You're right there in the midst. God, um, God, when we're at a loss for words, God, and what to say and what to do, God, that we know that you're with mm -hmm. us interceding on, on our behalf, mm -hmm. Jesus. And so, God, we come before you, God, and we ask that you would surround this family, God. You would surround the doctors that are working with them, the nurses. God, we ask that there would just be peace every step of the way, mm -hmm. God, that even in something that's so chaotic and unknown, God, you are with them, Jesus. God, that you walk with them in every single scenario of their life, Jesus. Right. And so we pray, God, just for a miracle once again. God, you've done it before. You can do it again, That's Jesus. Right. And Amen. so we believe, God, that you would miraculously come into Ellie's body, God, and yes. God, and do what you need to do. God, you know exactly 
God, you knit her together in her mother's womb, God, and you know, God, how to take care mm -hmm. of her, Jesus. And yes, so, Lord. Father, we pray for strength, God. We pray for provision. We pray for joy, God. We pray for comfort and peace, God, over all the kids, Jesus. And so, Father, we just... We just believe in you, God. Like Brandon said, we turn our eyes to you, God. There's nowhere else we can look besides you, Jesus. And so, Father, please be there for them, God. Amen. One last prayer, and we're going to jump into worship. Ernest, I'd like you to pray. Somebody pass that to Ernest. Ernest, you know what it's like to struggle and depend on the Lord, right? And to find joy. It's a joyful man here that's been through some difficult times, mm -hmm. and yet he brings the joy, especially if there's food around, but he brings the joy all the time. <laughs> so, Ernest, why don't you pray, and then we're going to go into worship together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for the Tompkins, Lord, for the Tompkins and the Lord, and especially for El Ellie, was it? Eliana. Eliana, Lord, and pray that you would just uh, just bring healing Amen. to her body, Lord, and and pray that you would um, comfort the t uh, this family, Lord, and and whatever whatever happens, Lord, that you're in control and you're bigger than any circumstances or any kind of illness Lord and you have more power than cancer and or even leukemia Lord or any kind of Ill illness that hits any of us Lord and we just pray all this in Jesus name Amen, Amen. alright let's go into this song together and then sign these signs afterwards and just throughout listen this is right now but this is going to be potentially a little bit of a journey okay they're going to need faith. They're going to need hope. They're going to need encouragement. They're going to need joy. And we're family, right? Amen. So that is part of all of us doing this together. Amen. It's not their fight. It's our fight. Right? Amen. Let's sing this song. guys just as we go remember to sign those signs right and i want you to think about this we're praying for them we're encouraging them we're watching for them don't let it pass you by that god also even in perspective if your thing now is like well that's useless god still wants to be your source god still wants to be your peace god still wants to bring you through okay so at the bottom of your bulletin on that inside part there it shows it says here's a question what is my thing that's Stealing and robbing from the joy God wants to bring me. Keeping me from rejoicing. So mark that in. Share it with somebody else that can pray for you and encourage you. Take the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to help me in this. Okay, and give it to him. Because Jesus came that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? That's what he's here for. And the last thing is at the bottom of the bulletin on the right, there's also um, a couple of, well, it's, maybe it's on the left, but it, there's a couple of links there. There's a GoFundMe for Eliana and their family. And there's also uh, set up on the church site now where you can also give through that. Okay? And the name of the GoFundMe is Help Eliana Beat Leukemia Again. Right? Because we beat it once. Right? It's a rematch. It's a rematch. But we know who won the first time. Amen? All right. Praise God. Thanks, you guys, for being here. I love you guys. The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. 
bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free.